Hello, everybody. We are back with another Sports Ethos, Ethos Mavericks podcast. It has been a while. I know it has been more than a while, actually, and it's been for a bevy of reasons. But nonetheless, we are back. And not only am I back, I am back with a co-host, someone that the Sports Ethos world and most of you guys know very well from his various shows. But my name is Lawrence Brooks. Um, you can catch me at LB Set It on Twitter. And again, we are back. As you guys know me, we have now switched it over to being Sports Ethos, and we are now the Ethos Mavericks podcast. But nonetheless, before we get started, let me also turn over to my co-host, Corbin, who is also with me and will be with me moving forward. Corbin, how are you? Lawrence, I'm doing great, my man. I'm excited to join you on this uh this new pod, uh, definitely love talking basketball, love talking Mavericks. And like you said, we spark, we part of the Sports Ethos family. So it's definitely a blast to uh, collaborate here. Absolutely. And listeners, before we get started, please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition, provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos fantasy bk on twitter follow now please do especially all of you that love fantasy basketball because i know i do um <laughs> so here's how we're here's what we got so state of the mavericks i know it's been a while so we don't want to dig into anything in particular we're just going to kind of touch on the mavericks overall as a team right now and for me watching these maverick games seeing how they're playing obviously they've been, their identity has been scoring and shooting but lately, it has been defense. And boy, has that surprised me a ton. So with that being said, Luka has been, had, has been in and out of the lineup, but he hasn't looked his best. Porzingis has not been in the lineup as much, but he has been back since January 15th. He was out since, I want to say, the New, Year, New Year's Eve with COVID. So we had a little bit of the extended version. But Corbin, what have you seen in these Mavericks so far that has surprised you or actually opened your eyes a little bit about how they're playing? Well, like you said, I think uh, Lawrence is really the defense. Um, They've really committed to that end. Uh, And it's funny because on the one hand, as their defense has definitely gotten the back into the winning category of a bunch of games, most recently um, beating the Memphis Grizzlies uh, on 104-91, while they've been doing that, their offense has gone like down the tank, but Hey, you know, if they're able to do what they got to do to get wins and by all means, and so far they have, they've held opponents under 50% shooting in 23 straight games, which is pretty crazy. And they're now fourth in defensive rating according to clean the, gla- the glass. And it's been dominant too of their 11 wins. If it eight by double digits um, and one that was just outside of that. And like I said, it's just all the more so interesting that they're able to find different ways to win because when you think Dallas, you know, specifically the Mavericks, you're really thinking like a firepower offense, you know? And that has not been the case recently, but they've really buckled down that end. Jason Kidd has gotten uh, the most out of his players. In fact, maybe you could say maybe that's why they, they are coming up short on their jumpers. But um, on the defensive end, they've committed, and it's really made a difference. Absolutely. I I agree with that. And you know, for the for the fact that they've been hounding people on defense and all the numbers you just spilled out about how dominant they have been defensively, which is a shocker, but the shooting has been down across the board. I mean, they have proven shooters a- across the team. I mean, you go from Luka to Tim Hardaway Jr. to Porzingis 
Brunson. Like, these are guys who can knock down threes. And no matter what, amongst Maverick Nation, it has been this – there's been this everlasting cloud of what can they do to get better. And so they're not shooting the ball well. There's guys who are playing, you know, below their level from the perimeter, we can say. So with that being said, there's always trade talks circulating around the Mavericks. What does Luca does Luca need more help? Do guys just need to shoot better? What can they do to propel themselves? Because right now they are fifth in the West. They're 27 and 20. They're three games behind Utah. But they're also just not playing that well offensively. So is this a situation where once they start shooting, maybe this team takes off and they and they hit another level? Or does Luca need more help? So it's funny that you asked that, Lawrence. I think the answer might be in between. I mean, obviously he needs more help just in terms of the offense side of the ball, but I think that's because everyone on the Dallas side, Luka included, have really been in a major shooting slump. Um, there's a great piece on Mavs Moneyball by Josh Bell that talks about, ironically, how good the defense of the Mavs have been even while their offense has gone down a tank. And he has some of the numbers for um, every one of their major rotation players. And if you look at it, over the past seven games, Dorian Finney-Smith shooting 25% from three, Reggie Bullock's at 30%, Jalen Brunson's at 25 um, you have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Christoph Przingis. Normally, you know, guys who are really putting it up at a high clip, they're shooting 34 and 35% respectively. And then Luka Doncic from three over the past seven games is shooting just 18, <laughs> 18% from out there. So I don't want to put it all on, you know, the supporting cast of the Dallas Mavericks when Luka's also not necessarily holding up his end of the bargain there. But like collectively, I think that the Mavericks would rather do for, you know, a collective re- restoration of their, uh, shooting stroke than so many full change, uh, full fled changes. Yeah. And, and speaking of shooting, I mean, even for a guy like Porzingis, who's he's now shooting 29% from the three point line and he was shooting 37% last year. And I mean, those, those are huge wow. drop offs and, and guys and shout out to my guy, Josh, love that guy. He's been on, he's been on the pod several times as many of the listeners know, and always does an incredible job over at Mavs Moneyball with a lot of the numbers and digging into what's going on with the Mavericks. So with that being said, so does they, do do the Mavericks have a, what is the Mavericks ceiling? So let's say they do turn it around and they start shooting better. Because right now, again, like I said, they're fifth in the West and they're three games behind Utah. Is this a situation where if they do get hot from the perimeter that they move, they have potential to be a stronger team is it is the long-term look on this team as currently constructed do they make a move or should they stay put so i think that a move probably is worth making i mean if the mavericks did go on a hot streak you said how far behind uh utah they are and utah has been hit uh hard recently with injuries they just lost rudy gobert uh to a calf injury they've been without donovan mitchell for a couple of games now here like they are ripe for the picking in terms of a team you know catching fire and coming up on them in the standings um at least for that number four spot but the mavericks have been kind of search searching around uh there's been enough rumors about that at least uh you have guys that I think would make perfect fits in Dallas from Orlando. The Magic have been expected to trade Terrence Ross and or Gary Harris. That's according to Mark Stein. Um, But I also like a fit of maybe a possible um, uh, uh, Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. Maybe someone who, you know, can bring that defense and, and also, you know, 
his three ball comes and goes, but when it is there, it's there at a pretty serviceable clip. Uh, also, according to uh, Eric Pincus, of uh, the Mavs have been mentioned as a possible dark horse suitor for Jeremy Grant. So, uh, you know, and, and he mentioned that an offer will likely start with Dorian Finney-Smith and Dwight Powell. But, like, if that is the minimum of an offer to start, like a framework of an idea, and you still are able to keep Jalen Brunson and, you know, most of your other major guys, like, for a guy like Jeremy Grant, I think you absolutely do that if you're Dallas. So those are just a few names I look at as guys that could be a good fit on this team. Maybe a flyer on like a Marvin Bagley or a Jalen Smith. But those guys don't move the needle as much as the ones I mentioned before. So I would lean more that direction. Um, you know, more of like a Marcus Smart, Jeremy Grant type move uh, to kind of add to his talent base for Dallas and continue on the, the playoff track. Yeah, and uh, and especially with the Orlando guys, that acts that adds immediate shooting juice to the roster. Um, if they get Marcus Smart, that that just buffers their their stout defense that they've had this year, and plus gives them some versatility at the guard position to um, be able to use maybe Luca off the ball sometime. Obviously, Jalen Brunson is doing some of the ball handling as well. Um, I think that another guy that's also been mentioned is Miles Turner. I don't know how do you feel about him. I don't know how realistic it is that they get him, but obviously he'd be the biggest fish of the guys that you've mentioned. Is this someone that you could see fitting with the Mavericks or no? So I can definitely see um, Turner fitting on this team. I guess he definitely would be the biggest acquisition in terms of just sheer size and, you know, but definitely um, buttoning up the defense uh, for the form of a twin towers of a lineup along Kristaps Porzingis. But I don't know how much he does to alleviate any pressure on the offensive end for Luka. Like, it'll basically be the same cast, uh, minus whatever you trade to get Turner. So you're probably losing Dorian Finney-Smith as well. You're probably losing Powell or, or another player of that ilk. But then the offensive um, responsibility, for the most part, would still lie with you know a Luka Doncic. And then defensively, yes, you're going to have an amazing unit uh, of rim protection uh, with the Turner Porzingis front line, but also, you know, it's been it's been talked about, and I think Turner's speaking rather candidly about it that he wants more offensive responsibility. Well, I mean, if you're not getting in Indiana of all places, I don't know how you're going to get it with the team that's primarily run through Luka Doncic. Oh yeah, and Porzingis got to eat too. And now we got to make room for another guy who has the same kind of diet of shots in terms of where he wants it as your other secondary piece to Luka Doncic, who commands the ball most of the time. Like, I don't know if it's a perfect fit on that end. Um, and that would require some buy-in from Turner uh, to go to a team that is not going to fulfill the wish he wanted when he requested to be traded. So that would be interesting there. But, yeah, you would have to look at that team as, like, imposing, uh, to say the least. Yeah, I. Uh, it would be interesting to see them get him. And I know Porzingis has been a little reluctant to play center this year, but if they got – those two could be interchangeable at that spot. But Jeremy Grant would be interesting mm-hmm. – because then you could play Porzingis at the center and hopefully he gets he has complete buy-in because that actually has bowled well for them this year. The Mavs have scored 112 points per 100 possessions, according to cleaning the glass, um, when he's at the center position. That's three points higher than when he's at power forward. So that's clearly a, that's clearly a a look that has been highly beneficial for them. So an, an acquisition like Jeremy Grant would be um, someone that clearly can play the four but it's probably more of a three. But I know in today's pace and space offense and the way uh, rosters are constructed, guys that play the three are actually playing the four right now. So that would be something to, um, to, really, to really be excited about, especially with the way that he can shoot the ball and the way that he can create as well. I think that would be something good. But before we continue, um, listeners, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos. 
Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use codes ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Not a bad idea. Player props on, on biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit. And the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice or winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Um, Corbin, so with that being said, um, what is the what's what's the next step for Dallas? So from here, let's say they do, let's say they don't make a trade at all, right? If they don't make a trade, they keep this team as as they are. Can they compete for a title? Is this more of a second round, you know, dogfight type of team? Where do you see this team going if they happen to stay pat as is? Can they really compete for a title or is this just a, a, a highly competitive team right now? Unfortunately, Lawrence, I, I think I have to go more to ladder. You know, I think that as long as the offense kind of comes and goes and you've had some inconsistent performances, you mentioned Porzingis. You can also mention new acquisition Reggie Bullock. Um, the Mavericks offense fluctuates. You don't really know what you're going to get from any given night, you know. Um, and defensively, although this has been quite a revelation, it's something that has kind of been, come up in the middle of the year here. And it's been great for Dallas. But how sustainable is it, especially come playoffs when, you know, the game shrinks down? Every possession matters, of course, but also teams can really focus in and hone in on a team's defensive scheme. We've seen, we have seen teams that have made major um, changes, wholesale changes in their identity to being more of a defensive unit, get exposed more in the playoffs. Look at the New York Knicks last year. You know, that was their entire, um, that was their entire deal. And yes, they held their opponent in that first round series, the Atlanta Hawks, to a much lower offensive rating than usual. But like, it still was more because they're able to focus and, and, and put their team in a position to exploit some matchups. And I think that Dallas can be exploited as well. Um, adds to the fact that injuries might make a difference as well. And you're looking at a team that I think will be just how they've been the last couple of years, like a really tough opponent. You know, as long as you have Luka in there, you definitely got yourself nearly a seven-game series as we've seen the last two seasons. But ultimately, I think they fall short. Now, that's barring, you know, no changes at all, of course, Lawrence. But if there was a move made, you know, come the trade deadline to bring in what that's a secondary piece alongside Luka to soak up some more on-ball creation like Jalen Brunson has, but a superior shot maker, or if it's just better shooting across the board, or like you said, you know, a, a bigger impact player, a la Jeremy Grant, who can make an impact in different ways, both on the offensive and defensive end. Well, if that's the case, then, you know, maybe we're looking at the Mavericks as a team that can really make some noise in the second round and possibly farther, um, depending on how the other teams shake out. Because the top of the West, we see it's the Warriors, um, and even over them, we see it's the Suns. But after that, I think it's pretty much wide open if, you, if you're if you looking past uh, Utah. So if the Mavericks can stay in that top four area, you know, keep good health and then get to the postseason, we know anything can happen up to a reasonable degree. And if the Mavericks have upgraded their team a little bit, we might see something special. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, it's two part for me. So it's one, on one end, I've watched this team as they are continue to fight in a playoff battle. They've been close to, to making big noise, but ultimately I just think they need more firepower. So if they stay as put, it's just hard for me to see that they can really make a strong push only because they've kind of been there, done that with this current team. But then it's also on the flip side for me, it's 
looking at how well they're playing defensively, and, and it's the what if factor. It's like, what if everyone comes around offensively, everyone gets their shooting touch back, Luka continues to get in better shape and continues to round into form as he's had his two highest point totals this month with 41 and 37, and it's looking like he's turning the corner. How good can this team be? And obviously with Jalen Brunson clearly taking a step forward, some of that might be due to the fact that he wants to get paid, but nonetheless, he's playing better. Um, not to say that he's played bad, but I mean, at this point, this is probably the best season of his career, especially when you consider um, on, I mean, this was also from Mavs Moneyball. His field goal percentage on drives is only in line second to Giannis um, among players who are having over 10 attempts per game um, on drives to the basket. So that lets you know he's playing at a high clip for a guy his size. But if they get and I think it's one of those things where styles make fights, obviously, depending on who they play, they could have a little more success versus, you know, I think that they match up well with a Phoenix. I think they match up well with a um, with even a Utah if they were to play Utah only because I think they can get out and run and Utah doesn't have a lot of great perimeter defense. So I think they'll be able to get the, the opportunity they want with Luka getting downhill and obviously with Brunson getting downhill. But mm-hmm. I, I think I'm I think I'm really stuck in between and, and want to see them make a move. Now, I would rather them make a bigger move, but I just don't realistically see a package. I have seen um, I've seen potential or I guess you could say hypothetical trade scenarios where they're where they've I've seen packages of Dwight Powell along with Dorian Finney Smith and picks for Miles Turner. I've seen something something of the same sort with picks and having Jalen Brunson in the deal trying to get a bigger guy. But overall, I think that they kind of have to make a move. I would, I, I really wouldn't like the the look of them staying pat with the team they have to try to make a run unless they really turn it around on the offensive end and compare that, can, can pair that level of defense with a level of offense mm. that, that um, can really sprout and blossom come playoff time. So, I don't know. I'm stuck in between. I, I think uh, I think I'm anti as as a Mavericks fan. I'm anti to see them make a move because I think this team could really use some more life and and um, a, a little more pop within the roster to um, to do mm-hmm. better and, and to make a longer push in the playoffs. Um, that being said, as we talk about trade scenarios, um, a guy like Porzingis has been you know he's he's been a lightning rod for this team for better or for worse the last few years. But obviously this year. He's playing a little better. They're allowing Jason Kidd allowing him to make um, plays with the ball in his hand a little more, trying to put him in more ideal situations rather than how Carlisle basically had him as a glorified spot up shooter a lot of the times, and he wasn't happy with that. Is this a guy you think that should stay in Dallas and they should just try to add a third piece, or is this someone you think they need to move? I feel like I'm of two minds, like you, like you said in the last question, Lawrence, in in the sense that. I personally think that, you know, Porzingis now is empowered again. His confidence is back. That's a major um, factor in his improved play, in my own opinion, um, in terms of him not just being a solid guy, you know, adding more to his play, being the guy that, you know, teams looked at when he was selected number four uh, back in that 2015 draft, you know? And I think that his fit in Dallas is predicated on whether or not whoever they get, let's say the Mavericks do go for a, a third star, that that third star makes Porzingis the third option. I don't know if 
if it's just injury, just where he's played. Like, he's been very good, but I still think he's dependent on – well, I know it's not – I don't think. He's dependent on, obviously, you know, the creation of his shots. He's not a post-up guy like that. We've seen him down there. He's gotten better, um, but it's still not great. You know, he's someone that he has to get into a rhythm and does need a steady diet of spot-up attempts to really get going, but he can also do a little more and wants the ball in different areas. So definitely get him that, but I would like, like, one more, like – uh, even like a Karis Avert type, like somebody who can create enough offense for others, but can also, you know, have some self-creation of his own for crunch time. You know, when it's when Luca's isolations are kind of the only thing outside of a pick and pop, you got another guy who can do maybe a smidgen of of on ball from scratch offense on the side. And so that's what I would look for in terms of a piece that could then either make Porzingis the third star, if you will, or like 2B, 2A, you know, like Luca obviously is going to take front and center. I don't think anyone's coming up on that number one spot anytime soon. But I think that there is room for someone to kind of either share that spot with Porzingis or even eclipse him um, in, a, in a more, uh, I don't want to say tangible, but a more, I, I, I guess, a role that makes more sense on this Dallas team. And I think that, like, if you bring in a Miles Turner, like, that's a big piece. But if you bring in a Jeremy Grant, now you got someone who can play like a big, like Porzingis, but can also do some things on the ball like Luka did. You don't want, to, of course, Jeremy Grant doing that all the time. But, like, that's a piece I'd be looking at as someone who can then relegate Porzingis to, you know, uh, that third that third star, that, that third alpha, that Chris Bosh type of role. Yeah. And, I mean, and I think the moral of the story here is I think the Mavericks, and, and this goes for any team, but especially the Mavericks who have been so Luka dominant, it never hurts to have mm-hmm. more, it never hurts to have more on-ball creators. I mean, I think the more you have of that, the more dangerous you are offensively and the tougher you are to defend. And I think that's something that has hurt them a, a little bit, or I guess you could say a lot of bit in the last couple of years, because when it comes down to it, when it's really money time and you got to have a basket, it's just literally in Luca's hands and he's got to try to create versus having a few guys on the court that can alleviate that pressure and provide that same opportunity for uh, for other guys that Luca can maybe not at the clip that Luca can, but at the same time can still get it done, and you don't have to worry about it being Luca or bust every single possession because I think that can be taxing, and you don't not only do you not want to wear him down in a playoff series, but you also just don't want to wear him down as a overall player because you want this guy to be around for a long time, and he's he takes a beating in these playoff series, and every time I'm watching, I'm just like, man, they could use another guy who can just create. Obviously, Brunson can as well, but having a bigger guy, like you said, a Karis LeVert or a Jeremy Grant would really, really help this team a lot because um, when you get in these playoff series, the more firepower you have, the better you are. And the shooting will probably come around, I'm assuming, if I'm just going on law of averages. At some point, it mm-hmm. evens out. But for, but the, the thing that won't even out is either you're an on-ball creator or you're not. And so they could definitely use um, a few more of those. But quickly, before we sign off, we want to also remind you, uh, you all to use code, coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also to check out our pals at mybookie.ag, use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit. Match bonuses there as well. Uh, Corbin, man, this has been great. I'm glad that I'm happy to see how the Mavericks are doing. And even with all this speculation of trying to trying to add and, and subtract to the roster. I mean, it, it's when you're 10 and two in January and you're, you've been one of the hottest teams in the league. It's hard to look at trade deals when you, when you're just like, man, we're really cooking right now. I don't know if we need to do anything. 
Um, so it, it, it's one of those situations where it's like, do we ride the hot hand? Do we let this continue to keep going? Or do we use this as leverage in trade bait for another team? I don't know, but I know it does actually work in there. I mean, it does make the front office a little more at ease to see how hot this team is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely a reassuring sign for the fans, obviously for the players, knowing that they can still get wins even while, you know, maybe not completing the primary objective of basketball, which is, you know, obviously getting the ball in the basket at a pretty good clip, that they're still able to, you know, go out there and grind out for these wins. And that's going to help them come playoff time because, you know, if you're used to winning one kind of way, then when an opponent kind of forces you out your comfort zone and makes you do something that you're not used to doing, obviously you're rattled. You know, you fall apart. And the Mavs, you know, have had moments like that with the exception of Luka Doncic where, you know, they've been rattled around or, or you know, you had tough teams like the Clippers who put pressure on them. But their fight and grit and resiliency shown has shown there. And I think that what they're learning this season is going to help them even more because look at them now, you know, this isn't necessarily their identity, but they found a way to remit, rework themselves, remake themselves uh, relatively late in the game, considering we're approaching, you know, just after a uh, mid season here. Yeah. Um, to have all these first team, all NBA defenders, <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> exactly. it, def- it definitely helps because they are playing. I mean, and credit to Jason Kidd because, Nobody thought that this team could turn into this type of defensive juggernaut, considering how they've been built the last couple of years as a team. But they've also played very conservative defense under Rick Carlisle, and they're a little more aggressive on the ball, and they get out the they get out the shooters a lot more aggressively than they have. And so overall, I just think they're setting more of a tone defensively um, than they ever have. But um, over, I mean, but again, thank you. Thank the listeners. I know it's been a while, but thanks for being patient with us. Again, we are no longer at Hootball Mavericks. We are now Ethos Mavericks. So that's at Ethos Mavericks. It's E-T-H-O-S-M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-S. And again, I am your host, Lawrence Brooks. You can catch me on Twitter at LBSaidit. That's L-B-S-A-I-D-I-T. And my co-host, who will be with me moving forward, one of the superstars, Within the sports ethos uh, world, you guys, I'm sure he's a familiar voice and you guys have heard him plenty. So he's came over to help me with the Mavericks as well. Corbin, let everyone know where they can find you. Hey, I appreciate you, man, for the kind words. Thank you a ton. And like I said, thanks again for having me on here. I'm looking forward to doing this with you. But you can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. I try to keep it simple, y'all. Um, if you're into Instagram, that too, although like I'm a Instagram newbie and it's been four years, so that should tell you everything you need to know about that. But uh, yeah, anything you find, uh, Round Ball Ramble, you know, part of the Sports Ethos uh, family podcast, love doing that show. Um, and any of the projects I'm also involved, I also do one called Let's Make Moves, and it's just about making moves on the NBA. So uh, definitely happy again. Uh, check me out there. And yeah, of course, here on uh, the Sports Ethos Mavericks podcast, I'm really pumped to be joining this one. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. And again, State of the Mavericks podcast, we are now moving to more towards that, where we come on and just give you overall coverage in terms of what we see, how we feel, and what the Mavs are doing and keeping you updated and current on all things, even though you guys are all still following. But thank you for following us as well. So thank you all. You guys have a good night. We will speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.